0: Praise the Lord, everyone. It's Brother Cruz here, your host for the Everyday Episodes podcast, where the individual shares their story for God's glory. Look, I hope you had a wonderful week, and on top of that, as well, I do hope that you enjoyed the last podcast we had with um, Brother Tukai Galindoveta, all the way from the Pentecostals of Sydney without further ado, I just want to take this time to greet all our listeners, whether here in Australia or in other parts of the world. It's an honour and privilege to see that the podcast has gone forth to other parts of the world where I thought it wouldn't reach. But in all glory and honour to the Lord Jesus Christ for the opportunity where this podcast is dedicated to, of course, the everyday apostolic. But without further ado, it's an honour and privilege for this week's episode that I was able to have a yarn, have a talk with my pastor. The senior pastor of the pentecostals of parameda pastor benjamin revel um it was wonderful to hear his story his journey as much as i hear him every week i'm preaching on the I'm preaching from the pulpit or involved in involved in sharing videos um am not sharing videos, sorry, posting videos of himself just encouraging the church, which I find which is really great and which is really, uh, in a way, satisfying because it motivates the church to move on. But it's wonderful that I was able to hear his story, his journey, and to hear parts of it which I haven't heard before. And it's, it's amazing how far this man has come, happily married, you know, three wonderful children, and balancing everything like a juggler in a Cirque du Soleil event. But without further ado, I do hope that you enjoy this podcast. I, I, I personally did because, of course, yes, he's my pastor. Hopefully he is this, But also, he loves his potatoes and his sandwiches, which is, you know, a hidden talent when it comes to, you know, men of God that are just not even known for just preaching. But, you know, they have other talents as well when it comes to outside of the pulpit or even outside of the church. But without further ado, um, here it is. My pastor, Pastor Benjamin Revel. Take it easy and hope you enjoy the podcast where, just like Pastor Revel, sharing his story for God's glory. Take care, enjoy the podcast. See ya. You are Okay, here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Apostolics. I do hope you enjoyed the last one. I know you've heard this in the intro when I put in the intro, but um, it's a great and a privilege to have. Um, finally, I can say, uh, my pastor from the Pentecostals of Parramatta, Pastor Ben Rebel. So, Pastor Rebel, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Brother Cruz. It's a it's an honor and a privilege to be here.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I know, of course, you're a busy man. You know, involved in air conditioning, and uh, you got your secular job, and also being a pastor. So it means a lot for. Um, uh, means a lot to be on this podcast where you did. During this moment in time, where you share your story for God's glory, so without further ado, Pastor, Revel, let's get straight into it. First of all, um, tell us about yourself, um, your upbringing, you know, your background, uh, you know, where you came from, um, you know, all the all the basics of, you know, how you know how the life of a uh, Pastor Ben Rebel started.
1: Uh, well. I guess, um, like everyone, I, I, was, I was born to two loving parents, um, my mum my and my dad. They were, when I was born, uh, it was just, I guess, the start of their um, their journey in church. Uh, they were both Catholics. My mum was a Catholic um, and quite, uh, I guess, quite uh, observant, although she didn't know too much about the Catholic faith. She did her best and she definitely had a love for God. Um, my dad was probably like most men of his era who um just went along on the odd occasion because uh his his wife did um and uh, my dad was in the army so he moved around a fair bit when um, after my parents moved here from England uh, my dad joined the army and then he was um, posted from capital city to capital city uh, with his work and he was lucky enough or fortunate we we're blessed enough that we we end up um, moved next, next to my parents my family, family moved next door to, to um uh, a... sister sue and brother often sarantos who go to the mm. church they still go to the church now in canberra and um and uh it was um sister sue um sarantos who won my mum to church um over the course of me um being born and during that time period my mum started coming to church and uh she she brought along um my my eldest brother and my three sisters obviously and then when I was born, she she kind of um, it was about that time I'd started, you know, you know she had started going a little bit better, uh, a little bit more regularly. So she got the Holy Ghost when I was about probably one or two, I believe. Um, and yeah, that's that's I guess that's how I was introduced to church. And really, um, that was in the the Canberra Church under Brother and Sister Downs, um, the I guess the former uh, leaders of the National Church. Uh, they were my first pastors. So. I grew up there with them uh, until about the age of seven. Uh, I was baptized um, and received the Holy Ghost. It was um, often, um, Brother Offen Sarantos, the, the person, a very, very great man. Um, I still love him dearly. He was praying with me at the, the altar when I got the Holy Ghost as a six year old. I can't exactly remember. I think I've, my mum sent me the my baptism certificate about probably two or three months ago because I, I wanted to have a look at it. So, uh, yeah, so I got the Holy Ghost and and the next week I got um, brother, brother Downs baptised me. And then probably about six months later, if not less, we moved to Adelaide uh, and we went to the church there under a, a man called Brian Gabriels. He was a pastor uh, of the church in Adelaide at the time. Um, I was g- really good friends with his with his son, who was um, one year older than me. Uh, um, his name was Bradley. Uh, we were very close friends uh, in church together up until about the age of nine or 10, I think it was, uh, until um, he, he decided that um, the UPC wasn't for him without getting into all the details, because I was just a kid. I didn't, I don't really, I still don't know the details really, but um, he, um, the pastor of the church then, he decided the United Pentecostal Church was not for him. Um, and, uh, he left, uh, and unfortunately he took, uh, the majority of people with him into the church that he started and that church kind of dissolved and got amalgamated into, I believe it was called Hilltop Christian center. Um, if it wasn't that particular church, it was a similar type of church. And I know that Brian Gabriel's now still works for that church in some capacity, uh, Yeah, so that, and um, we were left, the United Pentecostal Church of Adelaide was left with about probably, I I think about six or seven people, Um, Mm. not very many. And um, yeah, we, um, my family was one of them. Um, My parents have never really been involved in ministry. Um, My mum has won a couple of people to God, but um, they've always been very strong in their faith. And um, I remember we we were at a meeting. And uh, it was one of the last meetings before the pastor stepped down, um, Brian Gabriels and brother, brother Holden was there. He was the, the superintendent at the time. And um, they were having an open forum meeting with the church, which I look back now as a pastor and think, man, that must be quite, that must've been quite a stressful thing for both of them. Um, yeah. You know, reg, you know, Regardless of who was in the right or wrong. Um, that's, that, that's quite a, a, I guess, a a confronting thing to do. And, and what happened was, um, I guess they are going back and forth about the different ways they see um, the church and how it's going to be going forward. And um, my my dad, who is generally a, a reasonably quiet man, and I know you know my dad quite well, Brother Cruz, uh, he's very fond <laughs> of you. Um, shout out, shout
0: out to Mr. Revel Senior, hopefully he it. this.
1: Uh, look, yeah, I'll send them the link. I'm sure my parents generally listen to all our preaching and and all our stuff at our church. They're great, great supporters of ours. So, um, yeah, he he stood up and um, he asked he asked each of each of um, the men there, um, you know, Brother Holden and and Brian Gabriel. So they asked him. Uh, he asked them just one question: Who do you see to be the body of Christ? And um, I guess I, I think that would have surprised uh, Brian because. My dad is not one to ask questions, not one to put himself out there. He's kind of the guy; who will sit at the back, uh, be a little bit quiet, and, um, and make his own mind up about things. And uh, and we, if he thinks it's right or wrong, he'll keep that to himself. And but he'll he'll kind of if he thinks it's wrong, he he just won't come back or he won't he won't support it. Um, but if he thinks it's right, then he'll come back and support it in that regard. But yeah, so he asked a question, and um, Brian Gabriel's um, answered. Um, with many words and kind of said, look, anybody who's had an experience with God is a part of the body of Christ. And um, after that, he he kind of said, well, brother Holden, who do you think is the body of Christ? And he said, anybody who's fulfilled the plan of salvation that's outlined in Acts two thirty eight, um, meaning you know, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, receive the Holy Spirit, um, uh, and and the rest. And and um, that was it. That was the only only question my dad asked. And at the end of it, on the way home, um, my parents just had a very simple conversation and they said, no, we're, we're staying with the, with the organization, with the United Pentecostal Church. Uh, and that was the first split I went through um, and I lost my friends. Um, and I guess this is might be encouraging to some other young people out there who, who might not have very many friends in church or um, people that they can look up to. But I, I was a kid, so I went, of, of course, I didn't really have a choice but I understood the reason why, because my mum, she's a, she's a big talker. If you, um, if you've got five seconds and a, and, a, and an ear or two, she will, she will talk them both off. Um, <laughs> you know, she's, she, she's a great woman and, um, amen, amen. she, she's a, she's a massive reason that I'm the person I am today. Um, but she will talk, talk your ear off. Absolutely. So, um, she would tell me all these things. Um, she would sit down with the scriptures with me, um, and like I said, this is a word of encouragement as well. to if uh, uh, never, never underestimate the time that you spend with your kids um, because I am the man I am today, not only because of the influence I have from my father, in many ways, the influence I had with my mother. Those those long nights that we would spend up. Um, we'll And we'll be searching the scriptures. We'll be talking about the Bible. This was from the, about the age of 10 or 11 onwards until I was 17, and left and joined the Navy. Um, But yeah, they had a very simple conversation. It was like, we can't, we can't go good friends. friends. We used to go around their house a lot. We, we love family. And, and I still do his, um, um, yes, his, his grandmother passed away today. Actually, uh, his grandmother on his mother's side, um, her name was, uh, I call her sister Todd still, even though she wasn't in, she's not been in the church for a very long time. Um, she today, um, which is very upsetting. She used to teach me. I said at Sunday school, and um, yeah, so we we stayed with the church and we stayed with the organization. And for for a, a period of time, we had no pastor. There was no minister there. There was no one that could look after us. Um, they, everybody, went and um, and his family. His family was the pillars of the church, not only locally, but um, nationally. They had national positions. They were all. Um, you yep. know locally licensed ministers or above they they were pillars of the York they they all went and followed him a um, decision to to leave I guess the United Pentecostal church and um, that, that kind of set me up in in my my thinking um, for for most of my life because ever since then I've always gone, regardless of what the thing is, it's important to stay with the body of Christ. Um, Because eventually it didn't take long over two to three years, the church that he set up, which had more people, which had more money, more funds, the building, he took the building, he took everything because it was all in his name. Um, And I'm not, I'm not for a second um, accusing him of anything untoward apart from leaving the church, Um, nothing unethical um, I'm aware of or anything like that. But what I am saying is that um, he had everything set up to succeed, but it didn't. It didn't. It, it actually, um, I found out this about probably six or seven years later when I was giving a Bible study to one of my teachers, that he started going to the church that Brian set up afterwards. Um, but he said it all kind of, he goes, oh, the church just disintegrated and they started going to a different church and he lost interest in that. So yeah, we we were pastorless and leaderless, were sheep without a shepherd. And, um, and brother and sister Holden came and, um, they, they are some of the nicest people and loving people I know in my life. I'm still blessed to count sister Holden as, and brother Holden as friends. Uh, every now and then sister Holden, she jumps on and she, um, she, 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 messages me. She, she, you know, you can see her liking our church Facebook page. Yes. Uh, Yes. 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 Um, she is, she's an amazing woman. Um, I love her like a grandmother. Um, I I never, although I have two loving and great grandmothers, one of them's passed away now, um, due to distance and my dad being in the defense force, it it was hard to have a good relationship with them just purely because of that. So, uh, I, I see certain people in my life that have fulfilled that role and, And Sister Holden is definitely one of them. So they came um, to look after the church. uh, If you're not aware, if any of your listeners aren't aware, the Holdens, um, Brother and Sister Holden, were the the superintendents of the church for many years. Um, So they led the national church. um, And their ministry was fixing broken churches. That's literally what it was. They, They would go to a place where there'd been a split, where there'd been issues. They would stabilize it. They would love the people back, and um, they would, um, they would, they would re, they would regrow the church, and then pass it on to their past, the the next pastor, and then they would go to the next place. That was their ministry. That was their calling. Um, so yeah, they stayed there for a number of years, and they actually lived in the house that my parents had owned. Uh, my parents bought an investment property, and um, they rented it out to um, brother and sister Holden. And so, I, I, you know, that was a, I guess a blessing for us that, that we could help the, the work of God and um, also a blessing for, for them as well. Uh, they stayed with the church in Adelaide for a, a number of years. They, like I said, they stabilized us until, um, brother and sister Cochran came. Um, they were the pastors. I, I still, I see brother and sister Cochran as my, my main pastor. Uh, although I've had many pastors in my life, many men and women of God that I've looked up to, um, because he was, I guess, the real first one that that passed me through my my teenage years. Um, I guess his ministry has had one of the biggest impacts on my life. Um, yeah, so he was the pastor there for um, from I guess the age of probably about eleven or twelve until I was seventeen and joined the navy, um, uh, and that's where I did all my growing up. Um, the churches. At that time, there was there was two churches in Adelaide. One was an El Salvadorian church, uh, and they were at, way at the other side of the city. Um, they spoke Spanish at their church, um, and unfortunately, um, their their pastor of their church um, stepped down. So they um, they all came over to us. Um, it's funny we called them the Spanish people, and they called us the English people. Um, <laughs> you know, and eventually we all became one people. Um, the, <laughs> We, we, I still count them as some of my closest friends. Um, my, um, my brothers and sisters, um, while they all um, were baptized in Jesus' name, and they, they all said they got the Holy Ghost um, uh, back then. I, I'm not sure if you ask asking that same question now. Some of them might tell you a, a different story. They all left the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the youngest of five. And um, they, they all left the church. They, my brother left, then my sister, my older sister, and then my two other ones. They all left and they, they led a life of, um, I guess, without know, being rude or, or... I mean, they, they led a worldly, worldly life. And um, yeah, he, they, they still haven't come back to church since, although um, every now and then they do pop in. Um, as you're aware, Brother Cruz, my brother, Luke, was in church last week. Um, he comes when he visits uh, Sydney from Adelaide. Yep. Uh, which which is great. I'm very happy and pleased with that. Uh, and he joined us online during the lockdown mm. uh, for for a number of sessions. Him and his um, his girlfriend um, they they joined us a few times, and you know he's reached out for me asking me to pray for him and and um, you know which which I see is encouraging. Uh, but yeah, they all left the church, so I saw the youth and the leadership and the people in the church as my family. Um, I was there. Almost every day (laughs) Um, I would, it was church for the most part, twice on Sunday. Uh, Then there was um, Tuesday night um, Bible school, I think it was, or yeah, Bible school on Tuesday night. Um, Wednesday night was um, the the, the midweek service. Um, every now and then, you'd have Monday night prayer. I started attending that a bit later on. Uh, it was Wednesday. Um, Thursday was a day off. Um, when, Friday was youth. Saturday was, um, you, you know, usually a bit of fellowship. you you'd catch up with someone and then it'll start again. Um, so that, that, was my, that was my life. They were, they were my social circles. And um, I threw myself into that. Uh, I, I, I briefly, in my teenage years, contemplated leaving church like all teenagers do um but i just couldn't do it uh, and i think that's because of my mum. um she she invested so much time and effort into into my walk with god i don't think it's possible that i could have left um and like the one or two times where, when i was 16 years old and i would said oh mum I'm, I'm staying home i'm old enough to decide for myself if i'm going to church she would she would often guilt me and i'd end up going and it was only only ended up being once or twice that i decided to sleep in and and not go to church. Um, but that being said, um, I, uh, for many, many years of my younger life, I would play soccer and soccer was on a Sunday morning. So mm. I would go to <clears throat> on a Sunday morning um, and i would go to church every Sunday evening. And, um, you know, during the season and during off season, I would be, I'd be at, um, i would be at church, you know, for the morning and evening service. Um, but because of that, I was never really used in a, in a platform ministry capacity. Um, but also I, I think looking back now, I was still very young, um, but I really wanted to be used uh, with God. Back then I knew I wanted to be used of God. Um, it was, it was, it was always something I knew. Um, it, like, um, I've heard other people go, Oh, when was your calling? When did you know you were called? Um, I, I have always known I would be used in the ministry. And um, that's not to try and big note myself or to say I'm anything special. It's just, it's, there's certain things in my life and I'm sure some people might be able to relate to this, but certain things in my life where I've just known it's going to happen. Um, And I'm not a prophet. I'm not anybody special, but I think sometimes you get the, the, I guess the nudging of the Lord, or you get some kind of, you know, um, I don't even know how to put it in words, but you get as, you know, this is what's going to take place. And that's exactly how I felt um, ever since I was a child in Canberra. I'd look up at my pastor and um, brother Downs and, and a little voice in my head would say, that's going to be you one day. That's going to be you one day. And, um, and I never questioned that. It was always just, that's what it's going to be. So in my teenage years, I really wanted to act on that. And brother Cochran said, no, no, you need to wait. You need to wait. I, I taught myself the bass guitar to try and get on the platform. And, and while I played the bass guitar sometimes at youth, I never made it on the platform as a platform um, as a as a young man. Um, when I was about 16 years old, um, I told Brother Cochran, I said, oh, I want to preach. Um, and he said, okay, write down your sermon and give it to me. So I did. Here I am, this um, dyslexic kid. I could barely write. I was very, very poor at spelling. My mm. grammar would have been bad. Um, and I wrote down probably the most written words I don't think I've ever written like handwritten ever before or after but it was about probably six or seven pages and I wrote a message on the prodigal son and thinking about it I've never preached that message um I gave it to brother Cochran and he corrected my spelling and grammar uh and um and then he said you know I'd gotten a bit wrong here and there and and um I never wrote one again after that um but you know it was good enough of him to do that and I appreciate that that kind of feedback um, but, yeah, that's, that's where I left it. Um, the, the, the only time I ever got the opportunity to preach at the Adelaide Church is when I came back um, as a, a leader of an AYM team, Australian Youth Mission team, about probably five or six years later. Actually, maybe a, maybe a little bit longer than that, maybe seven or eight years later with my wife. Um, we, we came back and we preached, uh, and that was, that was great. Uh, that was fantastic. And that was just, just before um, Brother and Sister Cochran stepped down, as been a the pastor there. Um after that point, um I wanted to join the defence force like my dad. Um I always have and I still do idolise my dad. I think he's one of the best men in my life, and that's why he was the best man at my wedding. Um I chose my dad to do that, which is probably not as um orthodox as what you would think. But yeah, you don't hear that
0: you don't uh, you don't that much where you know the best man is your dad. But uh (laughs) no, that's it's wonderful that you said that Pastor Ever. That's you know, uh, it's it's something else, you know. That's probably That's probably the first time I've ever heard someone say their dad was the best man at a at a wedding. But you know, um, hats off to uh, Mr. Rebel Senior, man. Yeah,
1: he's a great guy. He's supported and helped me in in many ways, many many ways, and um, I I, I wouldn't be where I am without him. Um, but yeah, so I joined the navy. Um, and that was uh, funnily enough, and uh, I'm, I hesitate to say this, but it is the truth. It was against the advice of uh, my pastor. Um, Brother Cochran said, uh, it's not wise. I wouldn't do it if I was you. But again, it was something that was in my head that I, I had to do. Um, and while it was challenging, um to be in the defense force and to be around so many people at such an i was 17 when i left and joined the navy Mm. um and so i was in a very secular environment and not just a secular environment but uh it was it's like a secular environment on steroids um you're away you've got that kind of um you know i guess boys club pack mentality with the guys in there um there was it was the opportunity to sin and to step out was something like I'd never experienced, and what I would have never experienced if I'd stayed at home. And um, and I remember I, I'd gone out with my friends um, uh, in the in the navy, and again I'd had I had to make a decision: um, would I would I stay faithful to church or would I not? And um, probably a, a couple of months um, after I was there. Uh, I went out and I got really, really drunk. Uh, I was at the pubs and the clubs with my friends. And there were people on the corner in Frankston, in Melbourne, doing outreach. And uh, they they were talking to me. And I just sat down next to them for a while because my head was spinning like crazy. So it's probably better I sat down rather than tried to walk. And, um, and I, I cried. I put, my, I put my head in my hands and I cried. And I was like, what are you doing? Um, and I thought I should be doing what these people are doing. And, you know, I, I guess I was a, a little bit more judgmental back then. And I was thinking to myself, they probably don't even have the truth of, you know, the oneness of God or the revelation of baptism in Jesus name. And here I am getting drunk at this clubs with people who I know don't like me, um, you know I know that they, they they think I'm a bit weird they think I'm a bit odd because I've always been a bit of an odd person I guess I still am um, but yeah uh, you're laughing because you know it's true but that's okay you can't say anything because I'm your pastor but that's all right uh, <laughs> 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 <Carry> on, <laughs> but yeah. so yeah that's um uh, and uh, yeah I, I, I started going like I, I'm not saying that I was perfect ever since that point um, absolutely not but um, I purposed in my heart that I would keep on putting one foot in front of the other. And I, I did. I very easily could have gone the same way as my brothers and sisters. And I think no one would have um, been surprised or, or blamed me. Uh, but I, I didn't. I, I went I went to church. And um, yeah, that, that started me off, I guess, on my journey. Um, I, I finally, I made it onto the platform in, uh, in Melbourne. And brother, brother and sister Holden, again, were my pastors. Then um, they, were, they were lovely people. Uh, and um, I, again, I value their, their input in my life. Uh, they, um, yeah, they, they were the pastors there in the church there in Lindbrook. Uh Then after that, it was Brother Hogburn. Uh, Brother Hogburn, uh, I, I put my base, base skills to, to use. And I actually, there was a, a man at the church called um, Hampton Gabriel. So not to be confused with my previous pastor, Brian Gabriel's with an S. Uh, his name was yeah. Hampton Gabriel, and um, and uh, yeah, um, I, he was a, he's an excellent musician. He was fantastic. So I went to him for a couple of lessons. Um, so I went to his house. I drove up to his house, and um, funnily enough, there was this um, beautiful young lady there that was a little <laughs> bit older than me. And um, uh, we all know her. her name is Abby. And um, we we you know we we started seeing each other, and we ended up getting married. So I didn't have very many, to be honest, um, you know, um, uh, my, my father-in-law now, uh, he's not the best teacher of music. He's, he's excellent at playing, but quite often the best players are, are not usually the best teachers. Uh, so, you know, he would say stuff and I just wouldn't be, uh, I'd, I was either not concentrating or I just didn't care or it was too hard for me to understand. But I oh, yes. you know, I was more than happy to, to have dinner with the family afterwards and, and we get to sit next to Abby, which was <laughs> really nice. Um yeah, 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 so we, we started seeing each other. Um I got sent up to Sydney, which is I guess where I am now. And yeah. Um I I um yeah, we Abby and I we decided that we'll get married. Um, it was it was very, very early early on. I, I actually said to Abby, I said, Look, I said I said, "Oh, I said I think I'm going to marry you." And then, it, then um, it went very quiet in the car, and kind of had a bit of a laugh about it. But yeah, it turned out that was only about after two or three months of us seeing each other, and then, and then yeah, it took two years, and we we did finally get married. Um, but yeah, the, um, but it, in the meantime, I'd moved up to Sydney because I was in the navy, and I got posted to Sydney, and that's where I had to go. It wasn't wasn't really a choice. And yeah, again, I I went from being you know, at a small church to, to Campsy. I went to Campsy. Um, well, I guess oh, that's not really true. I went to the, there was an outreach church at Maroubra, which I went to that was run by Iwan Sinito, um Frank Vigoro, and um, oh June. June. I uh, can't remember his last name, but um, they're, they're all very good men. Um, June still goes to the church in, um, in Campsie and and so does Frank. And uh, Ewan, um is still, still running that that outreach, so to speak. It's um, I think it's more of a separate church now. But I went to that outreach on the Sunday morning, um, and then I went to the I went to Camp C at night. Uh, I, I was used to going to two services every day um, on a Sunday, so that's what I continued doing. Um, Frank Vigero is a, is a very good influence in my life. He's a great man. He's taught me a lot of things. Um, and Brother June is fantastic. He is, um, he's a very, very good man. I, I like him a lot. I have a lot of time for him. He's got a very humble and gentle spirit about him, which you don't find very often. Um, yeah. So they, I was there for about probably three years. Um, and then we we decided to go to Campsy full time. Um, in in the time in Campsy, um, Brother Slack was the, pastor there um unfortunately due to his failing health uh, he had to step down and that's where um that's kind of where we went through uh, our second church split um you know there was a big split up in Campsie, uh, unfortunately with um uh, the leadership there and um i didn't know what to do i you know i heard about this split through through abby, abby told me she goes oh there's a big split in the church up there i said oh is there that's interesting. Um, I she she seemed to have more information about it than I had. Um, she because she's always had more friends than me, though, so that's not surprising. Um, so yeah, I didn't even know about it. And then I, I called Brother Cochran. I said, Brother Cochran, I've heard. I said, There's a slit. I said, What should I do? Well, who's who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? And um, and Brother Cochran didn't tell me um, anything profound um, at the time. He just said. I said, I asked him, I said, where should I go? And he said to me, he said, Ben, he goes, don't do anything for three months. Keep on going where you're going. He goes, and if you want to go with the group that left after that, go. If not, then stay. He goes, but in the meantime, he goes, he goes, these things have a way of sorting themselves out. He goes, so just keep on going where you're going. And that was a powerful lesson for me because I guess that's kind of. Again, the, the church left, another church broke away, and um, they. I guess the different thing about this is that they actually stayed with the United Pentecostal Church, but eventually that that entire church disintegrated and splintered up, and whatever vision they had was obviously not right because it, it failed. It didn't work, and the, the people are no longer in any kind of leadership in that capacity, which is, um, I guess, a sober warning for anybody because it can happen to anybody, regardless of... You know your best intentions. So yeah, um, I I was starting to get used more um, in the church. Abby and I got married. Uh, we we moved up to Sydney. Uh, whenever I could, I was used. Uh, and um, in the meantime, brother brother um, Stan Harvey, he became the pastor there. He was my youth leader, and then he became the pastor of the church and. You know, we were all excited. That young, young, hip, good-looking guy is going to be the pastor. It was, it was a very exciting time for me. Um, you know, he, he he was the cool pastor. He was an out. He still is a very, very good preacher. I, if I could be half as good as him at preaching, I'd consider myself successful. Um, but yeah, he he saw something in me, which I I I'm blessed that he did. Uh, he put me in charge of a, a youth home group, which. I guess at the most had about 50 to 60 people in it. We had a small townhouse. We were just married and, you know, um, for most of that time, Abby was pregnant. And, um, yeah, we, we were looking after a home group. Uh, we had the youth home group and and people still, you ask some of the youth from Campsy, they'll still say they they remember that home group and how much fun we had in it um we would cook food we'll stay up late we'll talk we'll laugh and then at the end of the day we'll we'll pack as many people as we could back into our our seven seater kluger and we'll drop all the kids back off um we had a rule if you could get yourself there we could we could get you home um so yeah probably that was um a very fun period in my life I that was a great great time um but again um while the defense force was a great job and it looked after as well, it was starting to get in the way of the ministry. Um, I got sent back down to Melbourne uh, and uh, yeah, we, we went back down there and and I, I didn't feel right down there. There was something not right in my spirit about being back down in Melbourne. Um, and so we prayed about it and God opened the door. It was, we were there for about a year, year and a half. And uh, we we prayed about it and um, we we're lucky enough that God opened the door and we, we moved back up here to Sydney. Um, about probably two or three years after. Oh about I think that's that's the, the time I got licensed. That's right. Um Pastor Stan licensed me. We went back to Kamsey. Pastor Stan licensed me uh, as a as a local minister. And it was about that time that um um they said there was um you know, um, Sister Sala, who was the pastor of the church in in um, Parramatta, uh, but she she was the, the pastor's wife. Um, pastor Sam Vilavosa, he he sadly passed away suddenly, uh, and um, she was looking after the church. And um, then Brother, right. retired. my old pastor from Adelaide, if you if your listeners can remember that, he retired and came back up to Sydney, and uh, he t- he took over an active role in the church in Parramatta. And, um, yeah, then then um, Pastor Stan wants to retire and step down. Um, and he would like you to be considered for the pastorship of Parramatta. And I'll be honest, I didn't, at the time, I didn't really give it much thought. I just said, yeah, I said, look, I'm happy to be used. I said, I always knew that I want to be a pastor. And so yeah, look, let's see what happens. Because it, it kind of was a bit far off at that time. Um, also, I also knew that Brother um, George Curry, who's an outstanding man of God, a great friend of mine, he was he was also being considered for the pastoralship as well. And um, I guess I'll tell this part of the story with no I guess there's no disrespect or or anything to anybody um, with this part, but um, this is this is just purely how it happened. Um, we we were we came up to preach maybe two or three times um, at the church in Parramatta when I was in uh, Roland Hassel School, a little little um, um, school hall. And, um, well, firstly, Brother Cochran changed his mind and I didn't get asked to go up there at all um, for about probably two or three months. And um, Brother George Curry was up there almost continually. And uh, and then Brother Cochran changed his mind and uh, suddenly called me up and said, look, I want you to come and preach this week at, at, um, at Parramatta. And I said, oh, okay. And then I called up my pastor. and i said oh what what happened here i said i thought george curry was gonna you know brother george was going to be the pastor there he goes oh look he goes he probably is he's been up there for a long time you know he um he wants to give the people a choice um so this it's going to be an election looks like between you and him i said but i said but george has been up there continually for like three months And, um, and yeah, and he said, no, no, no. He goes, well, just, he goes, you can go there. And so I went there. Um, we preach, we love with the people. Um, we, I think I was there for about two or three weeks. Um, and then, and, uh, and then I was really struggling with whether I should remain in the running to be a pastor there because I honestly, and there's a large part of me that still feels this way. And, um, um I I a large part of me then and I, I thought, well, I don't want because I knew that yeah, the person who was voted in as the pastor would have to win by um you know a large a large majority. I think it's two thirds majority of the vote. And I didn't want right you know, and I thought, well, I wouldn't want none of us to get it. I prefer to bow out and let George have it because I, I honestly thought he was gonna get it anyway. Um and, and look, I, and I know this after the fact that everybody else thought that too. Um, Brother Cochran had rostered him on to preach the evening after the vote in the morning service because he thought that he was going to be the pastor. Um, and um, yeah, Abby and I were away. we were at a Sunday school meeting um, or Sunday school, I guess, event in um, Caroline Springs. Uh, and there was a vote at the church there. And I get a phone call from our pastor, Pastor Stan. And he tells us, he said, look, he goes, you got the, you got the, um, you got the the job. It's yours. And I said, I said, but I said, I wasn't meant to get it. George was meant to get it. And he goes, yeah. He goes, no one thought you were going to get it. Um, I was like, I was, I was flattened. I couldn't believe it. We were actually at a baptism at a local swimming pool and um, yeah. And then George called me He said, well, well done. I said, mate, so you are meant to get this. Uh, and he goes, well, he goes, you got it. And then he he said to me, he goes, Ben, what should I do? He goes, I'm scheduled to preach this evening at the church. He goes, what do you want me to do? I said, why are you asking me? <laughs> I said, Stop. I said, ask Brother Cochran. And Brother Cochran didn't answer the the phone for a while, and he didn't know what to do, and so he just said, look, he goes, there's no way. He goes, I can't go there and preach after this. He goes, it's, he goes, while I still love them and care about them. He goes, obviously they, you know, it wouldn't be appropriate. And um, so yeah. And then that, I guess, that started my ministry journey at Parramatta. We've gone through some hard times. We've gone through some great times. We've moved church buildings twice, and each one I think is a, a blessing and a great thing. We we've grown. We've 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 lost some people, and we've picked up some other ones. And I guess, yeah, that's that's me in uh, in a forty-five minute nutshell. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh,
0: man. Oh, good sponsor. Look, I was just listening and it's amazing the journey you've gone through. I didn't want to interrupt one, but yes, I I interrupted a few times. I may have chuckled, I may have had laugh, but it's amazing that the journey you've been through from, you know, in Canberra, Adelaide, you know, you've been, you know, going around like a gypsy. I hope that's not in a a rude way, but it's amazing Mm how you've gone from place to place. You know, you've been in the Navy. Uh, For me, when I think of the Navy before... Uh, of course, you know I've had family in the, not in the Australian Navy, but in the Fiji Navy or New Zealand Navy. But whenever yes. I thought of the Navy, I thought of the village people. I'm not going to sing one of their songs, but <laughs> like, you know it's amazing. You're not the, the first German person people. who said
1: that. Sorry. So you're not the first person who said that to me. Um, I will. I will also just add though. Um, I did. I did discharge out of the Navy a year. Um, before I became the pastor of the church. Um, mm. There's no way in the world you could be a full-time serving member in the Defence Force and be a pastor. It's just, it, it would be almost impossible.
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. And on top of that as well, Pastor, you know, of course, you know, meeting Sister Abby and, uh, you know, from there, you know, became a relationship, now you're married, you have three wonderful kids. Yes. And, you know, it's amazing to see what thing I find about, you know, what Lamar applied used to is that how you work together as a team. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, for me, I like to watch, you know, people, how they work, how they operate. And uh, one thing I found was with you and Stabby was during one of the funerals on portrait brother, George. And it was at the wake where you used to work together in the organization of the food. And I said, man, that's, that's deadly, bro. You know, that's awesome to see that, a, you know, a husband and wife working together, you know, just doing, you know, just doing the simple things. But on top of yeah. that as well, Pastor Rob, you know, what you've been through, the journey, you know, uh, what you've shared. You know, the many men you know, many men of God that come through your life, you know, to have a you know, superintendents, three superintendents, I may say, from the Holders yeah. to the Downs, and of course now Superintendent Harvey. If I was to ask you this question, Pastor Pastor Rebel, is that what have you learned? You know, from the first moments of stepping in to uh, to where you are right now as a pastor, yourself now.
1: Um, things I've learned. Look, um, very few things are black and white. The the doctrine we believe is black and white, but when it comes to people, there is no such thing as black and white. I would I would often um, uh, I would often not criticize, but I'll question. Um, I think it's always important to question, and I encourage you yourself, you're one of my leaders and everybody else to question respectfully the. Um, I guess what the, the leadership in the church does. And um, one of the things I used to sit back and do, uh, you know, I guess a backseat driver, I was like, man, why does the pastor just do this or do that? Or, um, you know, and what I realized now is, is that he, he knew more about the situation than I still know now because he's the pastor and, you know, and, and nothing is black and white. So while I could sit there from the back and go, man, he shouldn't be doing this because of this reason or that reason, um, I've learned um, that, that, you know, I, and I always always now give the pastors the benefit of the doubt. Um, and things are not as easy as they look. You know, sometimes, you know, like I would, I would look at Pastor Stan and I'll just go, man, he makes preaching look effortless. He gets he gets the stats out. He can pronounce every single name. I can't pronounce any names, man. I'm terrible with names. I'm terrible with dates. I often, I often, um, I even now to this day, I'll freeze when I'm preaching. And I hope no one notices, but I freeze because um because I'm I'm dyslexic. So what will happen is I'll say something and my brain will trick me to say, No, you said that wrong, or I said that backwards. Um, and I don't know if if I'm if I have or if I haven't. So I'll kind of think if i have and then i'll keep on going and go if i have i hope no one's noticed but you know things aren't as easy as they look um you know um also like when i was in the navy i used to teach i'm not teach sorry uh, well i did teach in the navy as well but i used to interview people for the defense force and i see these young kids coming in the same way i did with these rose colored glasses and they'll and we would you know, the, one of the criteria was, was does this person have a romantic connotation of what life will be like in the Defence Force? Because while life is great in the Defence Force, it has its very hard moments. You know, you're away from your family, which might sound okay, but it, it's not good. It's not fun. It's lonely. It's depressing. Um, you, know, you know, you don't have that social or supporting network that you're used to, especially as a young person. And a lot of people don't see that because they just want that goal of being in the defense force and the same thing is in ministry and pastoralship. i i can say now i look back at the ministry with rose-colored glasses i would hear the stories of heartache of people who come and preach and and tell us you know they're down to the last cent and they they didn't have anywhere to sleep and this happened and then god came through to them um you know that sounds great it sounds fantastic it sounds powerful and it is it really is but when you're going through it, it is hard. It is very difficult, and um, you know. Um, and I'll, I'll also say this: everything takes work. Everything takes work. If you if you you can't be a, a lazy pastor, a lazy pastor will not grow his church. A lazy pastor will not not um, be be very good or active in the ministry, and he probably won't hold that position for long. Because if uh, if you've got a good pastor, um, then then he's working very hard, um, especially and especially in the smaller churches. And I'm not just saying that because we have a small church by the cruise. I'm saying that because uh, I've I've observed a big church and I was I've been in a small church and I've been in a medium <coughs> church, and um, you know while big churches have their challenges, I've, I've got no doubt uh, I can say that the the amount of work that small church pastors do is is absolutely um astronomical and i'm not just talking about myself i'm talking about um you know brother morris he he does a lot of work brother jeff Barendorf. um my my brother my brother-in-law who is now the pastor of the church in lynbrook um, uh, daniel gabriel he uh you know they all do a lot a lot of work so yeah that's that's what i've learned throughout my time
0: awesome and shout out to all those pastors you just mentioned pastor rebel of course your brother-in-law uh by, um, what's his name again? Sorry, <laughs> Daniel Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah, That's Daniel Gabriel. Pastor Daniel Gabriel. Shout out to Pastor Daniel Gabriel. Also shout out to um, her. Mission directed by Pastor Bill Morris, and also to uh, the pastor in uh, Adelaide, Pastor Jeff barendorf So it's one that we acknowledge them as um, as well. Pastor Rebel, saying Absolutely. that as well. Saying as well, Pastor. What is your favorite thing about church? Of course, you're a pastor at the Pentecost of Parramatta. Uh, if I may yes. say, of course, having the vision for forty families in forty months, which is an incredible vision, and I believe it is doable. But uh, what is a uh, what is a favorite thing you know about church, whether it be as a pastor, whether it be in the past? What is a uh, um, what is your favorite thing, Pastor Rev?
1: I guess look, overall, um, it was hard for me to choose just one. Um... But overall, I think um, whether you're a pastor or not, or just, just going to a church, um, and I feel like sometimes I've I've lost this just a little bit, because when I go to church now, um, it is a lot of work, and so my mind is not able to shut off and just, just worship God and be in the moment, because I'm always wondering, is the sound okay? Is the live stream working? Is everything all right? Can we hear everybody? Um, or who's that visitor? stuff like that so but my 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 favorite thing about church is that feeling you get when you worship god when you close your eyes and you, you raise your hands or you know I, I don't dance as much now and i probably should but you know when i was a younger man i, I was dancing and 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 you just lose yourself in the spirit and you know your shirt will come untucked you'll be a bit sweaty you'd take your tie off um and you just wouldn't care i, I think that's probably my favorite thing um about church and that's an overall one but if it's specific for being a pastor it's watching people's lives change and how god moves in people's lives um there's been times i've been preaching and i'd say to my wife after i preach okay man i feel like i've been preaching the same thing every week for the last two months and i don't know if it's making a difference um but you know, I'd see I'd see someone in the back row, and and I remember it was it was Sister Lele, and if she's listening, a shout out to Sister Lele. She was crying. Yeah, she sister,
0: yeah, that's yeah, shout out to Sister Lele, Silas, T.J. and Jeffrey, and uh, Brother David.
1: Yeah, Brother David, yeah, she. What it was is that it was uh, probably about four years ago, four or five years ago now. I was there. I, I was kind of feeling a bit down, and I was preaching, and I was like, "Oh, is, is anybody even listening?" And I saw her crying in the back. And I thought it's getting through, it's, it's working. Um, and, um, and also very recently, um, we had, um, we had, uh, we've had a few new families join our church, um, and we're blessed to have them. But what happened is that we had somebody who's only come to our church about once or twice come along. Uh, and this is when we were, we'd been, we, we weren't able to occupy our normal building. It was down. We had to go downstairs because we had a leak in our roof um, you would remember that brother Cruz. You rocked up to open the church, and all the ceiling had fallen in. And I was away in Adelaide, and uh, you called me up, and I said, "Well, I said I don't think we could have church this week," and so we, mm. we had to close the church. But about two or three weeks after that, we had a we had a, a man come and um to church, and um and he'd come. He he's helped us out a lot, and he had he him and his wife came and. I didn't know this, but he was, um, a relation of somebody else. One of the new families that had come along to church. And, um, what happened was he, um, I was preaching just, I guess, I guess there's no such thing as just a normal, normal message, but I was preaching just a, you know, an an average preaching, I, I guess, you know, I'd prayed about it. I'd, I'd sought the Lord and I'd, I'd done my preaching and, and I was preaching and, and as I do, I, I generally go off my notes because being dyslexic, it's hard for me to read notes and preach at the same time. Reading in front of a crowd is one of my number one fears in life. I get, I freeze up. My, I can feel my blood run cold. So I'd gone off my notes um, as I do, and um, I was I was talking about forgiveness and love and and moving on and you know putting things behind you. And I had no idea, but these two these two family members hadn't seen them each other. In about five or six years because of a, a falling out in an argument um and afterwards i could see them talking and laughing and hugging each other and they came up to me and they said that message um, was for us and and man I, I can feel god right now just telling this story it, it really moves me because sometimes pastors need a bit of a pickup too because mm. we you go, you do the same, you know, not the same thing, but you do, you you give out a lot. And when you hear that, you know, it is making a difference and that boosted me, that helped me. And I don't know, maybe I'm the only pastor out there that feels that way, but it helps, it boosts me. And it, that was, that was amazing. And like I said, that as a pastor, watching people's lives change and God moving their life is is one of the most important things, I think. Yeah.
0: Amen. Amen, Pastor. Um, what is your favorite scripture? What is your favorite scripture that you um, always apply to yourself, whether it be in a day, you know, on a daily basis, whether it be one scripture or many scriptures? And why, why is it your favorite scripture or scriptures?
1: Um, well, look, you know, I guess as a Pentecostal, we always love Acts two thirty eight. Um, that's always a, a great scripture. We everybody, you know, if if we were allowed to get tattoos, I think everyone would have gotten that tattoo of Acts two thirty eight on their on their arm, across their heart, or across their forehead. Um, you know, that's it seems yeah. it's definitely our motto. Um, but yeah, um, obviously that's our salvation motto. But um, as as um, as a favorite scripture. Um, it's got to be for me, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 13, and I've written it down here. Um, it's got here, um, no temptation is overtaking you except such which is common to man, but God being faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Um, and no matter what I've been going through, and i you would have heard me say this. I say this a lot to our church. I say the fact that you are going through it means that you can make it through it, because if if this scripture is true, which we believe it is, then there is nothing that comes against you that can defeat you, because he's not going to tempt you. He's not going to. He's not going to um, do anything to you except that which you are able. And if you are not able, he can make a way of escape. So, no matter what the temptation is, no matter what the the um, I guess the situation you're in, it's already been thought about. It's already been pre-planned. And so, that situation that you're going through right now, which is which is making you struggle and making you making you um, you know question your faith, um, that's an opportunity. And it's a badge of honor that God is allowing you to go through it because you are able to make it. So, yeah, I, I used to have that. Um, I used to write that out because I was no good at using computers. I'd write that out and I'd put that on my door in my little dorm room, uh, which I'm looking at the room I'm sitting in now. was in My little dorm room was probably about half the size of the room I'm in now. And I, I used to live there. I lived there for about six years in the Defense Force. And I would have that on my door and I'd, I'd read that before I went to work every day um yeah that that's got to be my favorite scripture
0: awesome pastor rebel since time is coming what i'm going to do i'm going to i'm going to finish this one and i'm going to put another link so we'll make it a 2 part. how does that how does that sound
1: yeah yeah it sounds fine absolutely absolutely uh,
0: finish this up. all right thanks pastor rebel.
1: thank you